Welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast, where you are worthy of love just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, and today I'm talking to LGBTQ plus activist and drag queen Tanner Gilman. Tanner is a small town drag queen named Oso Aqua Velvet. He was born into the Mormon church to a teenage mom who raised him with help from her parents in Pocatello, Idaho. In my last episode, I revealed that the through line of my podcast is love, learning to love ourselves and each other. Sometimes we need an outsider's perspective to learn to love ourselves, and sometimes we need an insider's perspective to learn to love someone else. That's what this episode is. In this episode, you get the opportunity to look through someone else's eyes and maybe really see them. If we can really see each other, we can learn to love each other. And as Tanner says, if we can love each other, we can save each other. Tanner, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Kimber. I'm just so excited to listen to your story. Let's jump right in. I'm excited to get into this. So I was, as a kid, my grandma told me a story about a time when I was four or five years old. And I had come up from downstairs from my aunt's bedroom and I was wearing one of her dresses um, that she had left in the closet. And she told me, she said, you better go take that dress off before your grandfather sees you in it. I was always that kid that loved playing with dolls with the girls. I had a lot more girlfriends. And once I got into high school, that was not okay because when you have all these girlfriends and hanging out with all these girls, you're the gay kid. And my freshman year of high school, I faced so much bullying and it was just kind of sad. I didn't understand who I was yet. And I just, I never understood like, why are they calling me basically a girl? Why, why am I, why am I being put into this label? And I never understood why they were degrading me until later, until I like understood about who I fully was. During high school, I had to make the choice um, of where to go to college. I always loved St. George. We'd always go to Vegas on trips growing up. And so we'd always stop through St. George. I've really come to love that area, and that's where I decided to go. I went down to Dixie State, and I had to meet all these new people. And I wasn't quite ready for what I was going to get myself into. Um, That town is... I thought I thought I lived in a town that has had a lot of like judgment for not being Mormon when I first came out and being different than everybody else. But St. George, let me tell you, they're a lot more conservative than what we are up here in Pocatello. And I found that out the hard way. The major part of my story, when I was at Dixie State University studying theater, I also was the vice president of the LGBTQ club. And one of the biggest activities that we chose to do was that we were going to host the very first Dixie State drag show. That was a big deal. And that was my first time kind of being introduced to drag. I got to meet some like fabulous drag queens that some of our peers had brought down from Salt Lake. And that was my first time actually being like in the same room with a real drag queen. My first time doing drag, it was so bad. It was so bad. The makeup was so blotchy. The wig was so ratted. I had this oversized dress that just drowned me. I had no clue what I was doing. I just was like, I'm going to dress like a girl and I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to lip sync to I'm coming out. That was my whole big deal. 
it went off without without a hit. It, it was one of the biggest shows that we've had. Every single seat was full. Like I was shocked about how wow. great of a turnout we had because D- Dixie State had never had a drag show before, and so it was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. During that, as me being the vice president of the LGBTQ club on campus, they had me get up and have a little three-minute quick talk about thanking everybody for coming and suicide awareness and being an ally. And, well, I was in tears by the end of this little three-minute talk that I had to give everyone. And I'm up there in drag, makeup running, the worst makeup in the world. (laughs) And let's just say I've come a long way since then. Two weeks after that, the newspaper had aired a article on on the drag show and the comments just started flooding and we had to deal with dixie state and public relations and it was a mess people were criticizing the school saying they didn't want their kids to go there because they were hosting drag shows and these lifelong alumni of the school won't be giving their like payments anymore to them, their donations. And once I started seeing those comments, I was like, this is why kids don't survive. And I, yeah. fortunately, with the bullying in high school and in my church, I could take it. I didn't care at this time. I, mm-hmm. I was ready to be myself and I was going to be a person for change. And so I had a couple other people within the club that were really down about it, but me... I stood strong and I was like, their words may hurt, but we can be stronger. I actually found a quote from Sylvia Rivera. She says, we have to do it because we can no longer stay invisible. We have to be visible. We should not be ashamed of who we are. And that quote has stuck with me for quite a while since that day that I told my group of of peers that we're not going to let these people bully us into a corner I've always been told that you go somewhere and do something for a reason and my short time in in St. George doing theater and being a major 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 piece within the LGBTQ community on campus was huge it was it was really huge and I was there not for myself but other people and that's what I believe and then I got sent home from school because of how bad COVID was getting. So I had to come home and finish my degree online. And October 9th of 2020, I turned 21. And I got to go inside my first gay club. And this was a huge thing. (laughs) It was one of the, like, scariest slash happiest moments of my life. Because I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know what I was going to be getting myself into. It was my 21st birthday, and we went and saw a drag show at our, our gay bar here in town, here in Pocatello. And let's just say, I have not left ever since. I started showing up in drag just to come to shows and just to hang out, and I just started dressing like a girl and just showing up, and, and I, just, I just felt good there. I felt like I had a place to be and I had allies and I had like LGBTQ peers. I did a year of Mamma Mia and the drag queens here at our bar found out that I was a theater performer 
and I was already kind of dabbling in drag and just showing up in drag. And so they asked me, hey, do you want to start performing with us? And so I hit the ground running. No clue what I was doing. No clue. And so I started performing at the bar and quickly found out who I was. I feel like we need some background info here because most of our listeners and I do not know drag culture at all. What is drag? Who comes and does drag? And what's the appeal of drag? Because, you know, I've already interviewed Anna, who is a transgender woman, but drag is is something completely separate from that, correct? Correct. It is. It is. So let's talk about that a little before we keep going in your story to give us a little context here. For sure. I feel like some people might need it. I sometimes get lost because I'm so caught up in the world. Like that's, that is my world. And I forget some people don't understand. So what is drag? Drag is just to break it down for you. Drag is a man or a woman dressing up as the opposite gender. So there could be drag, drag queens, which is a male dressing up as a female or a drag king which is a female dressing up as a male and with drag what we do is we we do many variety shows where we lip sync or live sing to songs and we have just different little acts that we put on and we entertain audiences within within that so it's really it's like going and watching a theater show but it is 100 percent opposite sexes dressing up as the opposite sex and it's it normally takes place within a bar or one of the best examples as i've mentioned earlier is rupaul's drag race that's one of the biggest televised versions of drag is rupaul's drag race and they compete against each other to earn a title of top queen within their season of rupaul's drag race so Within the drag community, we have a matriarch system. So we have our little families, and within our little families, there are just different roles that we play. So within my community here in Pocatello, we have one top matriarch. And I think every city has one top matriarch that kind of rules the city that everybody looks up to. Just like in RuPaul's Drag Race, everybody looks up to RuPaul. She is kind of like the big mama. In our town, we have Spike Nagahide. She has been doing it for 24 years. And she has seen it all and done it all. And she's helped everyone. Personally, within my family, I have a really small drag family. I have, there's just three of us. My drag mom and my drag brother and me. And so my drag mom, she actually holds the current title of Miss Gay Idaho 39. So she is the 39th Miss Gay Idaho. So there's a pageant that we hold and you compete for the title. It's like Miss Gay Utah or Miss Gay Idaho. And then they can go on and it's just like the Miss America pageant pretty much, if you think of it that way, but within the gay community for drag queens. And then they can go on and uh, compete for Miss Miss uh, Gay USA. So um, just to clarify a little bit more, mm-hmm. when you dress in drag, is this like, this is like your alter ego. Is that kind of is, what you, how is. you look it, at it? It really is an alter ego. I have had people ask me time and time again, well, do you feel like you're transgender? And 
my my answer to them is always no. I've always liked dressing up, just like going back to the story when I was four or five years old, coming upstairs and my grandma seeing in my seeing me in my aunt's dress. It kind of ties back to that. I just sometimes within the gay community, some gay men or some lesbian women just feel a little bit either more masculine or feminine, and you just kind of tap into that side. And so this is, it is my alter ego. Osa Aqua Velvet is my alter ego. She, she is, oh my gosh, expensive. That's what she is. (laughs) She is expensive. I get paid pretty well in tips at the bar. When I'm there, people call me she when I'm in drag. I've started to notice being outside of drag, being at the bar, people have just started calling me Oso which is my drag name. And I have started getting called she outside of drag. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I'm a queen. Like, cool. And I have had people tell me my, my actually my boyfriend's grandma right now said that she thinks that it's a disrespect to women. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, I have had so many women tell me they're like, can you come and teach me how to do makeup? Because a lot of women yeah. are basic. I, I, I only know how to do foundation and eyeliner and mascara and throw on a lip. And we're over here doing contour and shadow and highlights. And it is major. It takes me two hours to put on a face for a show. I think there's so much that the straight community can learn from drag because queer people don't have the monopoly on having a masculine and a feminine side, right? Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. all have masculinity and femininity, but I think straight people, we kind of cut ourselves off in a lot of ways from that other side of us because probably because we don't want to be identified as queer, right? Yeah. And I think the queer community is so, they're so on the front lines of, in fact, this is something, um, Anna, in that in that episode where she talked about her story, she mentioned the podcast, the Man Enough podcast with Alok. Yes. And I didn't listen to that podcast till several weeks after uh, the podcast episode I did with her. Mm-hmm. But it's changed my life because Alok is a, and I, again, anybody listening to this, I can't recommend this episode highly enough, but Alok is a non-binary person who identifies as non-gendered and wears makeup and and they said something that just blew my mind which is how do they put it the queer community non-binary people trans people gay people are all on the front lines for all of us to be able to be who we are Mm -hmm. and that there should be as many different ways to be a man as there are men And here we are trying to fit everybody in these tight little boxes and fighting for our own limitations, right? These people that showed so much hate to your drag show at Dixie, all they're doing is fighting for their own limitations, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's not acceptable for men to be in touch with their feminine side. And and makeup is totally a made-up construct anyways. Men used to wear makeup in you know Egypt and France and England and it's only these made up constructs that we've made it a masculine or feminine or whatever thing and I think it's so cool that the queer community is really stepping up to the plate for all of us and taking the hits for everyone to say no it is okay to show up 
and do what makes you happy and be in touch with the both the masculine and the feminine and whatever side of you you want to show. I just I think that's really cool. And I think we have a lot. I think straight people like to cut ourselves off from that. But we have so much to learn and we don't understand that the, the like I said, the queer community is fighting for us. And then here we are throwing shade on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is really sad. I don't, I don't disrespect you for being straight. I, I don't care. I don't think it should matter what you do in your time and what I do in my time. As long as we love and respect one another for who we are as a human and yeah, I may be hotter than your wife when I put on a face. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> and, and and your wife will admit to it. I have had straight allies come to the bar and tell me, they're like, you need to teach my wife how to do makeup. I want my wife to look this way. And I'm like, well, wow. that's that's sad that you're asking me that. But at the same time, it's, well, what if what if she doesn't want to wear a face like this? Exactly. And so I don't think that there should be this line of every woman should have to wear a full face of makeup every day because they don't want to because because of they're they're comfortable with not wearing a full face of makeup. There are some women that put on a face of makeup because they're scared of not wearing makeup because they're scared of what their face looks like, which is wrong. Like me, I don't wear a full face of makeup every day. I only wear makeup when I'm in drag. I, I it's too much work. If I had to get up every morning for two hours before I had to go to work to put on a face of makeup, I don't think I would want to do it. So even if I was a woman and doing makeup every day, I would probably be basic and simple too. It takes a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah, my dream is to put on makeup the way you do, which is maybe in your everyday <laughs> life, not wear any. I don't like wearing makeup. But occasionally, yeah. I like we in my house we we call it fancy right i like to get fancy that's what i teach my daughter makeup doesn't necessarily make you more beautiful it's just a fancy thing we do mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be able to have an event or something and like take the time on my makeup and my dress and not have to be put in this box of oh she never wears makeup mm-hmm. so she can't ever wear makeup or oh there's this expectation to look like that every day right mm-hmm. yeah makeup should not define you It should not define who you are as a person. And that is something that when I first started, I had to really teach myself how to do makeup. And I, I I did lean on some other women at first to teach me how to do the basics. But then other than that, I started watching YouTube tutorial after YouTube tutorial after YouTube tutorial on how to do better drag makeup. And let me say, if women drew their eyebrows where us drag queens drew our eyebrows, you would think that they were always surprised. (laughs) So like, trust me, you don't want, you don't want this whole clown face every time you walk out on the street because people will be like, what is she doing? We're going to take a quick break from this episode to tell you that now it's your turn to just be your bad self. If you're looking for a safe space where you can feel like you are enough just the way you are, come join me at one of my retreats where we do fun activities and workshops that center around authenticity and self-love. You can get more information about these events and purchase tickets on my website, justbeyourbadself.com. And with that, let's get back to the episode. Within drag, there are some drag queens that do some really risque stuff. I've only dabbled in that a little bit. I'm not super, super, super risque like some of the other queens. I try to keep it more moderate. Sometimes I'll 
slip a naughty joke here and there, but I try to keep it more family friendly so that when I'm posting some of my videos online that they're not super terrible so that kids can be able to see it. And that's another thing that I really love. This year I went to Pride, Pride Ho. It's Pocatello Pride. We had about 2,000 people show up to our fairgrounds and I got to perform two different numbers there. And there were more kids wow. than that, that festival. And a lot of them were teenagers that were out and proud and true to themselves. And so it's just hard because I've never really seen it that way because I was never within the LGBTQ community really growing up and seeing other younger kids be out and either have parents that are LGBTQ or be LGBTQ themselves or just gender fluid or just queer in general. It was really inspiring. I, I want to talk about this for a second because yeah. I personally know people who will say something like, I'm fine with gay people. They can do their thing, but I don't want to expose my child to that, right? Yes, yes. Can we talk about this and why this is an important issue? It, yeah, for sure. And I we ha I have a prime example for that that same reason. And this actually kind of relates back to Pride this year. It's huge. It's not like I'm trying to turn your straight child gay. That's that's okay. not that's not what our goal is. That's not what the gay agenda is. I don't even know what the gay agenda is. I think that's a made up <laughs> term. I'm not out there trying to preach and spread the gay. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to uh, stand for equality. And the best way that we can support equality is by having our children be exposed to it at a young age. And if we're showing at a, at a young age to our children that we love and support these people and that these people are, that they can be good people, of course, every group has a couple bad apples to the bunch. We all do. Any religion, any group, anything has a few bad apples. That's not, not everybody's going to be bad. And like I said, when I, when I go back to trying to keep it family friendly as much as I can, it's so that we can have the children see it so that they can be exposed to it. I have a friend up here within the theater community that she has her daughter watch my shows and she has, has her look at my pictures. And she actually came up to me at pride and she gave me this drawing that she did of me and she hugged me and she said, I love you so much, Aqua. You're, you're my favorite drag queen ever. And so she has her kids watch RuPaul's Drag Race. They don't have to like it. They don't have to watch it, but she watches RuPaul's Drag Race and she exposes her kids to it. And I just think it's really sad that people are sheltering, sheltering their children because they think it's bad because of a religion um, or just an ideal thought of them not not liking the queer community because they they are they are homophobic. So and I think that I think that term homophobic I think that that fear part of it, right? The phobia part of it. I think it is. It's fear for so many things and when people don't when they say like I don't want to expose my kids, I think it's a fear I think it's a fear well I think it's a fear of a lot of things. But you know, if their child is queer or wants to explore things like that. Parents don't know how to handle that, or they might be scared for their own child's safety. They don't want their child to go through the bullying and trauma that you've been through, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many things to be scared of. And I think, I think that's totally what it is when people say that they're just afraid 
they don't know how to handle it. They don't know. They, don't they know. haven't been exposed mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, yeah, it's just super uncomfortable and they would rather just look the other way and yeah, do your thing. But I, I'm going to stay in my bubble because this is where I'm safe and comfortable mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. have to think about these things. Well, and the sad thing is, is if, if we were to all be exposed to it, there wouldn't be as much bullying. The kids I was bullied by were, were, were LDS, and they, they were never exposed to, to another gay person before. I, I think that I was some people's first gay person that they ever met within the church because they weren't exposed to it growing up. And so it's really, it really is sad. If we would have more exposure within, within the LGBTQ community and, and being able to be more out and proud, that's why I don't care. I, I do not care who sees my stuff online. I, I just going back to that quote by Sylvia R- Rivera is don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of who you are. People are going to say what they're going to say, but now at this point, I don't care. I've had enough bullying and traumatic experiences in my life that I, I don't care anymore because I'm going to keep pushing and being the person who I am for those who need me. I am not doing this just for me. I'm also doing it for for the community and trying to help be an LGBTQ activist in my area. I will walk out in town and we'll do photo shoots and and stuff. And I will walk our downtown and drag. And of course, yeah, I've gotten looks, but then other people come up and want to take pictures with me and want to get to know me and get my social media. You know what I mean? And some of these people have never even come to the bar. And I've had lots of Mormon people here in my area that are a little bit more accepting be like, hey, how do you do that makeup? Or, or you're so pretty. And it makes me wonder if some of them even know that I am a drag queen or if they just think I'm a higher personality. Because sometimes you can't tell. When I'm in drag, sometimes you cannot mm. tell that I'm a man. So, and I'm, I'm, femi- I'm feminine as it is. And so once I get into drag, it's even more feminine. And that's, it's not like I'm going around screaming at the top of my lungs and being like all oh, this sassy. No. So it's it really is it really is important that we expose our children to the LGBTQ community, and that we expose them to trans individuals, and we expose them to drag queens and the queer community. And that's what I think. Pride is so important. Pride Pride festivals are so important because that is probably one of the first 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 ways that you can do it and there's actually a group up here in my area that I have not been asked to join yet they're called reading time with the queens and they go to the library um, once a month and these group of queens they do reading time with children and when they first started they got so much ridicule from the LDS uh, community and they're like well you don't have to bring your child they they, they released a a statement saying, well, yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to bring your child, you don't have to bring your child. It's not like we're trying to force your children to come to this reading time. If you don't want your children to come, they don't have to come. This is a free event that we're hosting, that we're spending our time because there are some parents out there that want to expose their children to this. And they're teaching them great lessons. The one drag queen is actually deaf. And she teaches her and her husband actually teach ASL. And so they're teaching, they're doing reading time. They're teaching ASL, teaching about the queer community. And and it's not like we're shoving pornography into these people's faces. We're like, that's not what they're doing. They just want to expose them 
to, hey, look, there, here's these drag queens and they're going to read a book with you and do a craft. It's, it's very important. And they've done a wonderful job of doing that group. And so, yeah. Yeah, they're humanizing a marginalized group of people, right? I, I think we, we haven't, you mentioned mm-hmm. it a little bit in the beginning when you did your drag show in St. George, but this issue of suicides, right? It's a huge mm-hmm. issue, and it's a really huge issue within the LDS community because on the one hand, we preach unconditional love, you're, you're of infinite worth, but out of the other side of our mouths, we're saying you get unconditional love and you have infinite worth only if you meet this criteria, Thank right? Yeah, only if you meet this criteria. That is totally important. And that's where this is so important because when you expose your kids to all different kinds of people, You're telling your kid, in my opinion, you're telling your kid, I love you, whoever you are. You don't have to check all my boxes of what I think makes a good life. You can find out what makes you happy and I will love you. And when you hide your kid from things like this, the lesson they are learning is, okay, that is bad, that is bad, that is bad. If I identify with any of those things, I am bad and I don't get my parents' love. Mm-hmm. And who, what your kid identifies as is not in your control. What is mm-hmm. in your control is how much you love them and how you show them that everyone is worthy of love. And mm-hmm. even though it is scary and you may not understand and you may not identify with someone who is gay or trans or in this LGBTQ community, there is a high likelihood that you are going to have a relative, a child, a nephew, a friend, a friend's child who identifies as LGBTQ and you don't want to be teaching your kids to not love those people or that they aren't worthy of, yeah. of love. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a major thing. So growing up, I was exposed to uh, a couple gay gay individuals that my mom was friends with. And so they would come over and they would hang out at the house and I would watch these, these two men kiss. And at the time I thought it was bad because I was still going to church on Sundays with grandma and grandpa. And so I was like, ew, mom, why are these guys kissing? And because grandma and grandpa said that's bad. And my mom would try to teach me that, no, that's not bad. They love each other. Two men can love each other. And so my mom was trying to teach me that at a young age because my mom had been exposed as a a young age to a couple of people that were gay and she had had friends that were gay. And so when I was at mom's house, they were, they were over and they were, they were, so she was exposing me to it. But at the same time, I would, I would go back to grandma and grandpa's to go to church. And I was told like these two, these two men are, they're not, they're not living the way that, that God wants us to. And it was bad. And now, now being who I am today, I'm like, I know my, my aunt and uncle that are super religious probably say the same thing about me when they, when their kids go home, because that's how my, my aunt and uncle were raised. And so I was always worried. My, my family, we have a lot of LDS and a lot of not LDS. And so we have get togethers. I am the, the queer cousin and there's only two of us that are queer me and my my cousin that we actually live together she's non she is 
gender fluid. So they are gender gender fluid, but I grew up with a she, as a she. Right. So it's really hard. And they help me with all my wigs and they help me with drag a lot. And so when we go to family get-togethers, we make sure that we are like we don't care. We're not we're not going to hold back. We're going to let our our cousins see who we are as people and that we are we are trying to be that influence of hey people can be who they want to be and they can have love my grandma loves me unconditionally since then they've softened their hearts and who's gonna hate someone like me they unconditionally right, love i love me. that yeah, they, they, they at first when I went to college, I my mom told me she said, "So Grandpa called me today, and he told me that he wishes that you would just find a girl, and that this is just a phase." And I got home for summer break one year, and I told Grandma and Grandpa, well, I was staying at their house actually, and I told Grandma and Grandpa, I said, "Grandma, this is how I feel. This is who I am as a person. I'm not going to change that." She said, "I know," and my grandma started crying with me. And it was the first breakthrough I've had with them because I thought that they loved me, but they didn't love a part of me. And now I know they love a whole me. So it's, right. it's one of those things is, is if we can love our children unconditionally and love them for who they are, we're going to make the world a difference and we're going to decrease the amount of suicides within the world. Every year, our, our bar that we we, we we do drag out. They actually do a suicide awareness pageant and I was a part of it this year and I actually helped um, organize it because my drag mom was uh, the person in charge of it this year. And so we did a whole fundraiser um, event type thing for suicide awareness and we had allies come and it, it was just, it was a nice night and we had people get up and tell their stories about how they were saved or how they were, how they were close to committing suicide and someone reached out to them and tried to help them and just showed the basic kind and love and caring compassion that humans can. It's just sad that some humans can bring other humans to the point of thinking that they do not need to live on this earth any longer. And I, and I will be honest, I've been there. I have been in that situation where I felt like I wasn't enough and that I I couldn't live any longer and that I was just going to try and take my life. And I've, surpassed that and I'm now where I am now and I'm a stronger individual today and <laughs> let me just say it's it's hard it's hard being in that place of like is my family gonna love me and are they gonna support me for who I am and am I am I gonna be ridiculed or am I gonna be cast away like my first boyfriend was like like it, I'm just blessed to be put into the place where I am today so I can help other people. That's so powerful. So if there's one message or takeaway that you want to live our, leave our listeners with today, what would that be? My greatest takeaway <laughs> that I would like to leave with our listeners or your listeners today is that do what Jesus would do and just love one another unconditionally love one another and support and uplift each other. Uplifting one another is probably one of the simplest, easiest things you can do, but also it can be hard. It can be hard if, if your mind is stuck into a place where it, it is just, just blocked. And some, some people just have blinders on, but if we can learn to love one another, we can save each other. 
Thanks for joining me today. To get more nurturing around living an authentic life, you can follow me on Instagram at justbeyourbadself or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at justbeyourbadself.com. Your invitation this week? Find a way to show love to someone you don't understand or flat out disagree with. That may be as simple as a kind word or maybe even holding back that biting diatribe you're itching to post on Facebook. There's always something to love about a person. Try to keep your focus there. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to leave a review, subscribe to the podcast or share it, you have my heart. Remember, you are enough right now in this moment. That's it from me now. Just be your bad self.